you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. John chapter 8 and verse 44, if you have your Bibles, John chapter 8 and verse 44. Jesus here begins to deal with some of the religious Jews that were, of course, seeking to destroy him and trying to find fault with him and they are, as in the course of conversation, Jesus just makes, perhaps, he understands and knows that his time is at hand. And a dying man doesn't mix words with too many. And so Jesus said it exactly the way that it was as he looks at them and he said, you are of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He, talking about the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. That whole text, and I'm not going to read the whole text to you this morning, because I just want this to springboard into the subject matter that I want to bring to you today. In this whole text, Jesus is pointing out the destructive nature of our adversary and what he is wanting to do to every child of God. That goal, that mission has never changed. The enemy is still on a path to destroy every child of God that he can possibly destroy. By the help of the Lord this morning, I'm going to preach into your hearing what Satan wants, what Satan wants. Would you pray with me right now? Father, open our hearts and minds to receive the word of the Lord. Help us to see, God, where we stand in this day and this time and this season, to know, God, that Lord, the enemy is running rampant in an attempt to destroy the kingdom of God, to tear down his people, oh Lord, and to tear down the church of God. I pray this morning that each of us receive the word of the Lord and are strengthened, Lord, as we hear and see, Lord, the works of the enemy that would come against us, Lord, but to know that you're on our side and we will be victorious. We pray. We ask your help today in this message. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated.
Whether we like it or not, every child of God must come to terms with the fact that there is a real adversary. There is a real enemy. He makes it clear from his very first encounter in Genesis chapter 3 that he has nothing but malicious intent for God's creation. So much so that Jesus said this regarding his character that he was a murderer from the beginning, that he has nothing to do with truth because there's no truth in him. And when he lies, the scripture is saying that he is speaking out of his own nature and his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. In other words, there is no truth, no good, no hope, no love that can come from the adversary. Perhaps, catch this this morning at the very onset of this message and it will help as we navigate through this message today to recognize and know that every attempt of the adversary to affect you in any manner is to never do you good. I know this seems so simplistic, maybe over, overly simple today, but I must remind you that every attack of the enemy will always be disguised in something that is going to do better for you, but the intent is always destructive. Everything the enemy does is in opposition of God and the things of God. This is the spirit of Antichrist. John said that that spirit was at work in the church, even in his day. The Bible goes on to describe the spirit of Antichrist, and it is anything that exalts itself above God or the knowledge of God or the things of God. The desire of Satan is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He wants to destroy anything that brings God glory, including bringing destruction to mankind himself. When I consider what it is that Satan really wants, this morning when I shared with Sister Shauna my message title and scripture so she could put it on the screen, a few moments after I gave her the title, she came back and said, perhaps I should ask, what is it that Satan really wants? Because I don't want to look silly by putting the wrong image on the scripture, on the screen. And I told her, Sister Shauna, you go with what you choose. I'll just follow your lead. Because I would guess that most of us could compile a whole list of things that we recognize that Satan really wants from us. Jesus told Peter, Satan desires to have you that he may sift you as wheat. We could go all through the scripture today looking at different things that Satan wants, but we must recognize that Satan wants to cause you to doubt. He, he shows one of his greatest tricks in Genesis 3 when he says to the woman, Did God actually say to you that you shall not eat of the tree in the midst of the garden? And the woman said, Well, we may eat of the, of the trees in the garden, but... God did say that you must not eat from the tree in the midst of the garden. 
And then Satan goes on and says, and you must not touch it or you shall die. So he kind of takes what God had said and he begins to twist. And of course he says, you will not surely die, but instead you will become like God to know good from evil. Satan has always been about convincing people to doubt God and to doubt God's word and to always excel human knowledge over the knowledge of God. Once again, we see clearly the spirit of Antichrist. Oftentimes, you and I may think that it is individual. It is an individual attack, but the truth is, the Antichrist, the spirit of the enemy to destroy everything about God, is always about accelerating the knowledge of humanity over the knowledge of God. Satan would like to paralyze us with fear. We live in a day that is absolutely ravaged with fear. The headlines this morning popped up on my screen as soon as I opened my phone this morning. COVID reaches an all-time high since February. Fear, fear, fear. Fear is a tactic of the enemy. If our lives have become riddled with fear, we find ourselves consumed with the what-ifs. The last year and three months, year and a half, my family, my home, my wife and I, our marriage, our family has been riddled with this whole idea of what if. And if you think just because we are blessed to lead this church that Satan doesn't attack our home and family with fear, then you're missing the real point of the, of the attack of the enemy. Because if he can cause us to doubt and cause us to live in fear, then I'll quit preaching faith and healing. But I come this morning to declare he is still the healer. God is still alive and on the throne. He's still making a way out of no way. Satan wants to paralyze us with fear. When we are paralyzed with fear, we begin to focus on things that we cannot control ourselves. But the scripture says that God has not given us the spirit of fear. So therefore, if God has not given us the spirit of fear, where does the spirit of fear come from? But God has come to give us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Satan would like to silence the voice of every one of us. I could go on and on today. Satan would like for each of us to live in shame. Reminding us of our past is another scheme of the enemy. In fact, the, if the enemy can convince you and I that our past has disqualified us, then we'll never walk in total faith and confidence, even when we're walking in the will of God. We will remain defeated and frustrated. Shame keeps our eyes, watch this, shame keeps our eyes focused on ourselves instead of on God. 
Satan would like for us, see there's the human, there's the human will rising once again. If Satan could get us to focus on our abilities and our, on ourself and on our worthiness, then he gets our eyes off of God and how worthy that he is. Shame is rooted in self-pity. And as long as we walk in self-pity, we will never walk in God's peace. We are not the sum of our past behaviors. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Satan would, what is it that Satan wants? He would like to deceive us because he is a deceiver. The lies that Jesus spoke about in our text, lies are built around deception. It is everything about it is deception. Satan would like for you and I, individually and corporately, to live deceived. He is a deceiver. We live in a day of absolute deception. Everywhere in your life, pay attention to the amount of deception. People literally, literally spend hours a day in trying to get the right photo at the right angle and craft the right words to make their life look like it is perfect so they can post it on social media and make everybody be deceived that they've got it all together when their life has fallen apart. It's a day of deception. The enemy would like to deceive us. Satan will do anything he can to cause confusion. We must know that if anything we believe that contradicts the Word of God is, is that it is simply a, another ploy of the enemy that is sent to bring about deception in our lives. But here is the truth. I didn't come to spend all day talking about all the destructive things that Satan wants to do because you can fill in the blank. But here is the truth. God also has a plan for your life. If you have nothing else to be thankful for today, you ought to be thankful that God has a plan for your life. Think about that. God has a plan. Satan has a plan. God has a plan. Satan wants to put a stop to God's plan. He wants to stop every good thing that God has planned for your future. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Simon, Satan desires to have you that he may sift you as wheat. I have a message for every person in this room today, Satan has a desire for your life. Satan desires to have you. To every person that has been living for God for a long time, don't think Satan has given up. Satan desires to have you. To every teacher in the classroom this morning, Satan desires to have you. To every young person that may be serving God, Satan desires to have you. 
to every new convert, Satan desires to have you. To every worship leader and every musician, Satan desires to have you. To every minister and lay minister, to every elder and every young alike, every husband and every wife, Satan desires to have you. To the person that's been struggling with issues, Satan desires to have you. To the one that feels like giving up, Satan desires to have you. To every person under the sound of my voice today, Satan desires to have you that he may sift you as wheat. We hear a lot of preaching and a lot of talk about the loud, quick-tempered and often outspoken fisherman named Peter the disciple of Jesus, he was a man that was desired by the enemy. Why would it have been Peter that was the target of the attack of the enemy? Why would Jesus point out to Peter, Satan desires to have you? Why would I rise to this pulpit this morning to look across this congregation and tell everybody under the sound of my voice, Satan has a ploy for your life? Why take the time to point this out today? I'll tell you why Satan wanted Peter, and I'll tell you why that Satan wants you. Because Peter was, first of all, Peter was one of the ones that were the closest to Jesus. It was Peter that received the keys to the kingdom. It was Peter that stood up for Christ and cut off the ear of the Roman soldier. He was the man of faith that walked on water. Miracles were done by his mere passing by of his shadow. It was Peter who said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. And he reached down and took the man up, and the man stood and walked. It was Peter who preached the gospel message on the day of Pentecost. And Peter was the one that was desired by the enemy to the point that Jesus would look at him and say, Simon, Satan desires to have you. That he may sift you as wheat. Watch, watch what Jesus is saying to Peter regarding his desire for his life. He wants to take you and to sift you as wheat. The idea of sifting wheat is the idea of taking and separating that which is good and useful and that which is not useful. Satan doesn't care about the parts and the failures in your life. Satan only wants to take what is good out of you. He wants to sift you as wheat. He wants to take what is usable. He wants you to waste your best days and your best years on things that are destructive in your life. Satan wants to rob you of the use of your talents. A lot of people say, well, I don't really see the importance of of timing in my life. I don't see somewhere I'm going to get my life straightened out. After your best days and your best years. I talked to somebody this week and was talking to them about raising their family. And I said to them, here is the issue. The issue is, is now you need to be investing in your family. You need to be investing in your home. You need to be investing in bringing your children to church. Not when you get older and look back and say, this is the way you should live now. But we need to recognize that Satan 
is wanting to rob you of your gifts, cause you to lose your anointing, to steal your passion for the lost. He desires your best. And then like the dregs from the sifter, he wants to throw you away and cast you away. In Acts chapter 12, it wasn't just anyone that King Agrippa sought to arrest. In Acts chapter 12, the Bible said that King Agrippa sought to lay hands on and to vex certain of the church. Certain of the church. Watch that word, certain of the church. It wasn't just anybody. It was, it was specific individuals. I was in a discussion a few days ago and we were talking about momentum and what destroys momentum and what moves momentum forward, particularly in the, thing, in, in the church and around the church. If Satan can just affect a certain group, then he can affect the entire body. If Satan can affect only a certain thing, I, I've learned in life how sometimes some of the smallest things can happen to you physically and affect everything in your life. Wednesday morning, my wife had to take me into the hospital early Wednesday morning about 5 a.m. And when I went in, they ran an MRI on my neck to discover that I have some compression issues in a disc and pressing on some nerves. And looking at the sum of my body, it seems like a very small thing, but it is amazing how such a small thing, one little pinch point, can affect so much about the nervous system in the human body. One little pinch point of a nerve in a neck can affect the nerves that run down your shoulders and through your arms and into your hands and cause pain and numbness and tingling and even itching. Misery comes from it and it's all summed up to one little tiny pinch point. One little pinch point affects the whole body. Isn't it amazing that the scripture talks about the church and he says we are a body? It also says we are a building that is fitly framed together. The issue is, is one little pinch point. If the enemy can get his hand on just certain of the church. He doesn't have to affect everything about you. If he can just touch one part of a certain individual, he can affect everything that is going on around. One little nerve being pinched affected my entire mobility. One little pinch point in the church, one individual affected with one word. It's what Satan wants. 
If he can get us to focus on the one negative thing that was said about us, we will not hear the 500 positive things that are said about us. If he can get us to focus on the one thing that somebody did to us, we will miss all of the scores of positive things. And he affects our spiritual walk and he affects our ability to lead and he affects our ability to affect the church and the kingdom of God with one little small thing. I tell you what Satan is wanting to do. He is wanting to vex certain of the church. He wants to lay hold on certain of the church. If he can just touch the right person's health, if he can touch the right person's emotions, if he can touch the right person's prayer life, then he can affect the entire church. I rise to this pulpit today to tell the, the, the enemy we are not ignorant concerning your tactics and your devices. But as a church this morning, we rise to the occasion to declare we will not be defeated by the attacks of the enemy. It doesn't matter what Satan wants. I will not be defeated by the small, fiery darts of the wicked one. Oh, somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. In Acts chapter 12, when Paul says that King Agrippa sought to arrest certain of the church, why was it that, that Peter and John were the, were the target of the, of, of the attack? They were the certain of the church because they were making a difference. It's not the fringe people. It's not those that aren't praying. It's not those that aren't talented. It's not those. It's, he just wants certain ones. If he can just affect certain ones, then he can do whatever he wants to do. Our friends, and most of you here know our good friends, the, the Brosoms who pastor in Joliet, Illinois. Long before they were pastoring, after working at Calvary Tabernacle, traveled as evangelists, preached many revivals here in this church. Some of you in this room received the Holy Ghost in some of those revivals that they preached. They went to Chicago, Illinois to start a church, Chicago area, Joliet. And there starting a church. Brother Broson fell to the attack of the enemy on his health. Fought both Hodgkin's and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma for several years. His wife attacked. Had to deal with a brain surgery that put her out of commission for a very, very long time. I, I've lived long enough to watch. Why, why this wonderful couple? You ever just stop and ask yourself, why do good things, why do bad things happen to good people? It's one of the, one of the big questions that I have raised often. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because the enemy, he's already got everybody else. But if he can just affect one area, the, the, the particular individuals, Brother and Sister Broson persevered through, they pushed through. They had their mind made up, but they were there making a difference. Their church has been blessed. They both have come through and fought through and come out the other side, healed and whole. Their church blessed, moving forward. But it did not come. What was birthed there? And what has been established there in that wonderful church, Life Church of Joliet, a rock run, I think it is called. In that wonderful church there, 
what was birthed did not come without a fight. And I want to tell you today that most of what you have in your spiritual walk will not come without a fight. You're going to fight on your knees. You're going to fight it out in prayer. You're going to fight it out with faithfulness. You're going to fight it out with perseverance. You're going to have to stand even when it's easier to give up, to give in, to throw in the towel and declare, I shall not be moved. The enemy will not have his way with me. The devil can't fight me enough to cause me to give in. What shall be able to separate us from the love of God? It was Peter and John that were called for a purpose. God has a ministry for every person that he calls. He has a plan designed specifically for every life. That's right, even you. If you're here this morning, God is reaching for you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Whether you're living in God's perfect plan, he still has a plan for your life. He still has a purpose for your life. He still wants to use you for his purpose and his plan because you can do what nobody else can do. It was Peter and John that were the strongholds of the church of that day. They were the disciples of Christ. They were apostles of the early church. The future of the early church was resting upon them. Their destruction meant the destruction of of the entire church in that day. The enemy, listen, the enemy is not sitting around nonchalant about his attacks on the people of God. He's not sitting around twiddling his thumbs while the church marches forward into revival. We are in a day of great attack. I told somebody this week, I don't know a time ever that our church has been under so much physical attack in the natural. We have preached about healing. We have preached about, about miracles, signs, and wonders, yet we have scores of people and names on our prayer request list. It is, it is an attack like we've never seen. You know why? Because the enemy sees the church catching traction when it comes to miracles, signs, and wonders. You know what we must do today? Stand strong stronger than we ever have. Believe it more than we ever have. Pray harder than we ever have. And stand on the fact that he is the healer. He is the way maker. He is the one that's going to see us through. Oh, somebody clap your hands to the Lord today. In Acts chapter 12, when King Agrippa sought to lay hands on and to vex certain of the church. That vexing, you know what the word vex means? It means just to annoy. It means to annoy, to vex, just to, just to aggravate you. That's, that's what it is sometimes. Anybody, anybody have something in your life, it is like the thorn in your flesh. It just frustrates you. It's not, it just, it's just agitates you all the time. I didn't say people, I didn't ask if you have somebody in your life. They may be sitting next to you, God forbid. King Agrippa sought to lay hold on and vex certain of the church, to lay hold on, to take hostage, to arrest, to detain, to capture your attention. 
the enemy can get our attention on everything else and get it off of our purpose, then he has been victorious. If he can arrest us, if he can suspend our, our, our actions, suspend our operations, sidetrack and detain us, what could he accomplish? He wants to vex us, harass us, intimidate us. His method of attack has always been one of intimidation because the Bible is full of scriptures that tells us resist the devil and he will flee from you. But how often we give in to his attack. The enemy tells us that at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. We, we have such power in the name of Jesus, yet we don't explore the power that is in the name of Jesus. Because if the enemy can get us believing that our obstacle, that our struggle, that our test, that our trial is greater than God, then he can defeat us. First Peter chapter 5 says, Your adversary, the devil, Sister Coffinberry, he's really not your adversary. I saw you pointing your finger there a while ago. Your adversary is the devil. Your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil has some people believing they can't serve God. There's just too many things in the way. That's his intimidation. I think the devil knows that you may be the one that has the ability to unlock a door to revival. Oh, yeah. We get in the middle of revival, things breaking forth, and all of a sudden we have an entire outbreak in a whole segment of our church of sickness that prevents them from being able to be in the house of the Lord. People moving forward, we build a church. Entire segments of the church affected financially. We move forward and the enemy attacks. He looks for the place of weakness to where he can have the most impact. The devil has people believing they can't serve God. That's what he wants. He wants you to believe you can't serve God. The Lord desires, He desires for you and I to serve Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Notice this. Everything that God wants, it is Satan who wants the exact opposite for our lives. He's not an equal power. The power of Satan is not equal to the power of God. The power of God is the power to overcome all things. The power of Satan is to deceive you and I and cause us to believe the worst in things. Particularly when it comes to our prayer and our worship. The Lord is desiring you and I to move into an arena of praise and worship and prayer that transcends everything that we are dealing with 
in the here and the now. I won't be much longer this morning, but I want to take just a little bit of time to tell you that the purpose of our prayer and the purpose of our fasting and the purpose of our worship is that we may be able to transcend the basic elements and the rudiments of this world that would hold us down and hold us captive and capture our mind and our thoughts. This week, I challenged you this past week to prayer and to fasting. I come back once again this week to challenge you to extend whatever you did this week to this next week of prayer and of fasting. We need to move to the next level of prayer and fasting. And when we enter the house of God, we need to move to the next level of worship and of faith. <laughs> Satan wants to attack us. He's coming at us with everything he has. But we have to come forward and, and, and allow and, and not allow the enemy to cause us to enter into the house of God and get our focus on what is wrong, on how we feel, on what we are going through. Yes, we can talk about the reality of a prayer list that will hardly feel, that will hardly uh, 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 fit on the screen. But I come this morning to tell you about a God with one spoken word can heal. With one word can deliver. So how are we going to respond to the tactics of the enemy, to Satan's desire? How are we going to respond to the lie of Satan that comes and says you can't and you won't and it'll ne you'll never be victorious? I come today to tell the enemy that we're going to be a church that is going to pray until God moves. We're going to fast until every stronghold breaks. We're going to worship until he, until his, his powers fall at the feet of Jesus. I come this morning to tell you Satan desires to have you and to have your worship. The, 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 the fact is if Satan can cause you to doubt to the point that you don't have the faith to pray, he will be victorious. And if Satan can cause us to lose our worship because of our frustrations, then our church services no longer transcend what is happening in the natural world. You want to know the kind of services that we leave feeling victorious? It's the ones that we walk in and declare, I'm not walking out until there is a change in me. I wonder what would happen in, in our church service, even today, even tonight, if we walked into this house and declared, you know what, I am not walking in and going through the motions one more time. But I'm coming in and I'm pushing through what I fear. I'm pushing through what I feel. I'm pushing through everything that I'm going through. And I'm going to be a worshiper and a praiser. I'm going to magnify the Lord. I will resist the devil. I will speak a word of faith over every problem. I will refuse to be intimidated and to keep silent. Satan doesn't want you to be a worshiper, but I come this morning to tell you that worship transcends everything in the natural. Your worship this morning can confuse the enemy and send him, send him fleeing. 
all over this building. Why don't you lift up your hands and just worship the Lord here this morning? Why don't you lift up your voice and just magnify the Lord this morning? Come on, thank him for everything he's done in your life. Thank him for the strength that you need. Thank him for what you, you may not feel healing in your body, but thank him for the healing that he's sending. Come on, everything in your life can be overcome in our prayer and in our worship. Hallelujah. Satan wants to intimidate you today. Stand with me all over this room this morning. Hands lifted high toward heaven. Make up your mind you're going to be a worshiper. In the midst of the worst situations, I'm going to be a worshiper. In the midst of troubled times, I'm going to be a prayer warrior. In the midst of difficult days, I'm going to be one that is seeking God. I'm not going to give in to the desire of the enemy. I refuse to let him be victorious. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. I'm going to open these altars today. Maybe just two or three people in this room got a glimpse of what I'm preaching about today. And you want to step from where you are and walk to the front of this room and declare, I'm not going to take this battle sitting down. I'm not going to come into this battle without holding up a strong, a strong shield of faith that I may conquer the enemy when he comes against me. Come on all over this room. Let's just talk to the Lord for a few minutes today. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Oh yes. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see a victory. Oh yes. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see. Come on, we're going to be victorious. We're not a defeated people. We are a victorious people. We're a victorious church. My family will be saved. My finances will be blessed. My ministry will be launched. My healing will come. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. Come on with faith. Pray with faith this morning. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to
Come on, there could be a testimony that's going to come out of what you've been through. You're going to have a testimony of victory, a testimony of faith. Turn and you turn it for good, my good. You turn it for good. Come on, announce it this morning. Lord, you, you take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it Turn it for good. Come on, see your problems fading today. Come on, let worship lift you up this morning. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. He's turning it for good. Say. 